Welcome everyone to the Shoal Weekly Podcast, where we talk about all things film, TV, and popular culture. I'm Joe, and joining me as always is Charlie. Hello. And we've got Connor. Hello. Also for 2021, we also have the pleasure of welcoming our latest member of Shoal, that's Ben. Hi. This is uh, the first of a new series of podcasts that we will be doing every week, so make sure that you subscribe, leave a like, because that really helps us out a lot and switch on those notifications so that you can be the first to listen. If you're joining us for the first time, or if you're joining us from our social media platforms, thank you for following and supporting us as we really appreciate it. If you're joining us from our link tree, do make sure you go and check out our social media pages to stay up to date with the latest news at Shoal because it's 2021 and we're back after a month off and we have lots of exciting news on its way throughout the rest of the year. So if you wanna stay in the loop in the Shoal, Follow that link in the description below to take you to our socials and show us some love. So if it's your first time joining us, our first event was back in December. And every day leading up to Christmas, we were picking a film for you at home to watch as part of our virtual online film festival. And every week we were live on Twitch to talk about the films that we've seen so far. And it, it was an experience. It was a lot, I think. So we, we've had a bit of time off to reevaluate how we want to provide content to the members of our community. And we are back with a brand new Shoal weekly podcast. We have a lot of energy. We've got a lot of optimism. We have a new member of our team. Uh, if some of you were there for the Pulp Fiction Live watch along, Ben was there for that. And we loved his energy and we decided we needed someone. We needed someone on the hype train to uh, talk about films with us. So Ben, we're really happy to have you here. Uh, as always, we have a weekly film to talk about. If you are following along on our socials this week, you'll know that today we're going to be talking about Dread from 2012 with the, the beautiful Carl Urban, who is very popular at the moment because of because of The Boys, if you've been catching that on Amazon Prime. I actually haven't seen The Boys. Has anyone here watched The Boys? I've not watched it yet, no. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. It is epic. Oh, it's so good. I feel it's like just... I need to catch up. Yeah, I mean, I can't really describe it without spoiling it, so just going to let you go experience that. Absolutely. Um, Charlie, it's a new year, but there's still plenty of ratings to embarrass us with, so I think we're going to start things off. And what will be interesting, because we have a new member, I think let's go through some letterbox ratings and see if Ben can guess how who, whose bad taste it was, either mine, yours, or Connor's. Well, I thought I'd start with like a, a year roundup for last year. So That's ben, a great idea. Who, who do you think watched the most films last year out of me, Connor and Joe? Mm, I'm going to have to go with Charlie. How many do you think I watched? I'm going to go with a solid 85. You're quite a way off. I don't know why I went off. Quite a way off as in you only watched two films last year. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. No, I watched 169. Wow. Wow. Hey yeah. Hey um, <laughs> Yeah, that was I was top. And then Connor watched 132. And Joe came in with like 42. Scrub numbers. 
See, I think because I'm quite new to Letterbox, those are some rookie numbers I need to go through. I, I did recently try and organize my Letterbox a bit more because I think the thing about Letterbox is compared to IMDb, the way you rate something out of 10 is very different to the way you rate something out of 5. Yeah. Yeah, and and it becomes really hard. So like, there are some films on IMDb for me that I've given a seven or an eight, but on Letterbox they've got like three stars or, you know, it's a different thing. What what what's next, Jazz? Uh, so most watched directors. So I'll give you the directors that we each watched the most of, and you have to guess how many films of each we watched. Ben, yeah. My top director was Woody Allen. Uh, Connor was. I'm gonna get this wrong. Murasaki, yeah, is that right? Yeah, uh, and Joe's was Nolan. So, how many films of each do you reckon we watched? Okay, so considering that Joe watched forty-two films, out of the forty-two films, are you counting? Are you counting rewatches? Like, if you've watched yeah. the same film, right? Well, I know you watched Tenet like three times, didn't you? You said something like that. Who me? No, Joe. Oh, Joe. Um, let's say you watched ten Nolan films. Twelve Nolan films. I go twelve Nolan films out of your forty-two. Is he, is he even uh, done twelve? Even have twelve films? No, he, no, he just asked. <laughs> no, he just asked if we were counting any watches. That's true. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are. But he, he did definitely okay. didn't watch twelve Nolan films. Okay. He watched. Well, four. yeah, no, because he's not got tw- like. Do you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. I do not. Um, I know what you mean. I Charlie, know. let's say you watched fifteen Woody Allen films. You're very close, including the rewatches. All right, and then Connor. Oh, I'm not sure because a I've never heard of that director, so I don't oh, actually well, know what films he, um, they are. He directed a lot of the Studio Ghibli films, if that helps. I've not watched any of them, so oh, okay. Um, well, it's that sort of vibe, animated films. Yeah, let's say eight. You're not not too far off. So okay. Connor watched five. I watched seventeen, and obviously Joe watched four. 17. You weren't that far off. I thought you'd be like, you'd well overjudge it and say, like, yeah. Uh, so let's get normal ratings. Let's go through them. Uh, who rated the Born Identity 3? Out of five, Out of five. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Connor. Anyone else want to guess? Well, yeah. I can I I can guess that it's not me, but that'll ruin it. It's not me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is it too late to change my guess? <laughs> I'm gonna say Charlie. Yeah, it was me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Watched it last night actually. It was. You know, I haven't seen it in ages, and it, uh-huh. it was all right. It's all right. Uh, who rated The Shape of Water three point five? I remember distinctly thinking that the film wasn't as amazing as all the critics made it out to be. So that sounds in my sort of ballpark. Oh, I don't know. I, I'm going to go Charlie. I'm going to say uh, Joe. I'm going to say Joe based on what he just said. It sounds like he knows it's him. I, I've not seen it, so uh, oh. it was Joe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a nice film. It's a very, it's a very cute film. It's a very kind of uplifting. It's very Guillermo del Toro. Is this the um, one? There's like the fishy aquatic man in the tank and the cleaner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. She uh, has. Uh, she has carnal relations. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Do you have one more for us, Jazz? I've got one more. Okay. Uh, the favourite, five stars. We've never had a five star before. I don't know. I, I genuinely have no idea. Maybe the Connor? 
I'll say Connor as well. Any more guesses? Yeah, it was Connor. Yeah, I was, I was about <laughs> to reveal it now. Yeah. I've I've never heard of the film. Like, you've never, you've never heard of it. It's, yeah. it's the one. It's the one that um, Olivia Colman won the Oscar for. I'm pretty sure. I was sure. going to say it got a couple of Oscars, didn't it? It's really good. Honestly, check it out. Like it's it's phenomenal. It's even funnier that um, some people that I went to see it at the cinema, and um, there were a lot of like older people came out of the cinema because they thought it was just going to be like a period piece, but it's really not. It's like it's a really it's a pretty messed up film. Like it's not just a Downton Abbey kind of film, like they expected. That sounds great. At the moment on the podcast, we're, we're also going to be talking about some current and up-to-date things. Uh, so I, I just want to start off by talking about the fact that, you know, we are a film podcast in a very non-film point in time at the moment. You know, things aren't getting released. Things are being pushed back. So when do you think cinemas are going to be open again? Oh, a while, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, definitely April, April, May at least. Although they're still open in uh, America, aren't they? Wonder Woman was oh. flopping at the box office last time I looked. Well, I don't think that's because of COVID. Because it's Wonder Woman. <laughs> 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 I saw you rated it one star, Joe. Is it really that bad? Uh, basically, how I watched it was I, I watched the first 10 minutes and then I watched the rest of the film scrubbing through with my mouse and watching like two minute increments that's not a way to watch a film no but I knew in the first ten minutes it wasn't going to be good there's a significant character that doesn't make it in the first one uh, quite significant to Wonder Woman and he very weirdly comes back in the second one through mystic kind of powers Uh, but it turns out it's it's not him but it's it's his like weird soul inhabiting some poor guy's body who has no idea that he's been possessed by like the spirit of this dead guy from World War One. So it brought raised a lot of issues of like rape because in the second film, him and Wonder Woman have sex, and they're like, so does the guy who's being possessed by this dead guy's soul know that he's having non consensual sex with Wonder Woman? And it so it, loads of yeah, critics were like. Why this is not okay. If this was a female character, this would be awful. This would be so terrible. Um, so it was, it was weird, and it just wasn't great, and the, the villain wasn't great either. And I don't know what Patty Jenkins was thinking, really. But, I mean, it, it, it was a film that tried to bring a lot of attention back to cinemas and hopefully try and kickstart things again. But this obviously hasn't worked out, and, and rightly so. You know, safety is the most important thing at the moment. But when cinemas do open again, hopefully, maybe by summertime, if the vaccine keeps rolling out at the rate it is, uh, what do you think the first film is going to be? Do you think it's going to be something new or a classic, maybe, to, to lure people back into cinema? It'll, uh, I reckon it'll be either Bond or um, Top Gun 2, because they keep delaying them, because they clearly want to get those. Yeah. Because st- uh, obviously both films probably cost an absolute fortune. And they've uh, got to make that back first and foremost, haven't they? I'm pretty excited for the Bond, to be fair. The Bond. I mean, yeah, I was about to say, I'm excited. The, it, the trailers looked really good. I, re- I was really looking forward to that. Would you like a fun trivia fact about the Bond film? Absolutely. So um, it's it's quite a powerful scene from the trailer. You know, he's on the motorbike and he jumps onto the cobbled street. I, it's quite... Anyway, yeah, yeah. basically they had an issue. Um, was that the, the motorbike couldn't make the jump. Um, the, the landing was too slippery. 
um, so they couldn't land it. So Daniel Craig turned around and said, have you tried Coca-Cola? Um, so they went out and purchased like $80,000 worth of Coca-Cola and tipped it onto the streets um, to make the uh, cobbles stickier. And it worked. That's incredible. Wow. That's sick. Yeah. They should have. They should have had it happen within the film, like a Coca-Cola wagon crashing. Yeah. So were they sponsored? Is is the new film sponsored by Coca-Cola? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I don't actually know. I just I just remember what, reading that it was like a like a like a hack that the stunt guys had to do to mm-hmm. basically land this motorbike. That'd be one hell of a sponsorship, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that would mean the exposure you'd get from that. I think one film I would like to see in cinemas this year, even though it's not new, is, well, if you weren't aware, The Lord of the Rings is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year, The Fellowship of the Ring. They've done a, Peter Jackson has, has spent the last year doing a beautiful rescan, recolor grading, remixing the audio. And I think for them to not put those in cinemas this year would be a real, a real wasted opportunity. So hopefully, maybe sort of towards the end of the year when, it, when it's The Fellowship's real 20th anniversary that we might see that in cinemas and i'll definitely be excited to see that that'll be a good like christmas holiday kind of release on i was very i was much too young to see them in the cinemas when they first came out i i, I think maybe i saw the third one in cinemas but i can't remember it very well yeah but i'd be very excited for that what about you charlie what's a film you hope to see this year uh i'd love to see like star wars the original star wars or something like that or like mm-hmm. any Spielberg film, like would be meant to have like be released in cinemas for a bit, just because I feel like that's a would be a big event, like it would have been back in the day. I was quite fortunate to catch The Empire Strikes Back last year for its fortieth anniversary in cinemas, and that was really good. Albeit it was the special edition, but still, I'm not going to complain at Star Wars on the big screen. Yeah. What about you, Ben? I mean, Bond hopefully is going to be amazing. Um, I'm not sure to be honest. Um, I've not really kept an eye out for upcoming films too much, just kind of with everything that's going on. I mean, maybe not related to cinema as such, but The Witcher when they hopefully get that out, that would be um, that'd be epic. It's funny that you should say that because I, I think TV production companies do um miss an opportunity to put some of their pilot episodes or some of their big episodes in cinemas. Like it, they've done it before. Sometimes I remember the 50th anniversary of Dr. Who was in the cinemas. Uh, and I know a couple of pilot episodes of things have been like filmed with IMAX cameras. So they've been like a limited engagement in IMAX cinemas, but I think it would be awesome to see something, you know, like, like, uh, like the Mandalorian. Like a couple of episodes of that on a big premium format, large format screen. Yeah, they did cool. a Sherlock yeah. as well, didn't they? Back in they the did, day. yeah. Mm. But yeah, even like maybe like a Breaking Bad, like a few episodes of the really good bits of Breaking Bad would be mint. Yeah, that would be screen. great. I think cinemas have to change. I think unfortunately, they're going to have to adapt to survive. They're going to have to compete with so many streaming services now, but also. I think if they just show more things than films, I think they, I think they'll be okay if they if they allow TV pilots or big episodes of things to be aired in their screens. Yeah. I think that would be really good too. Speaking of which, um, some great news this week: Zack Snyder has announced that his lost cut of the Justice League is getting released on the 18th of March, and so 
I'm really looking forward to that. Are you guys DC fans? Have you seen the poster for that film? The poster for that film is awesome. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. I'm, a fan of, I'm a big fan of DC Comics and the characters. The films are obviously a bit shaky, but I'll be interested to see this cut of this film, definitely. I'll give it a watch. I think, yeah, I think that summarises my view as well. I, I like the idea and the concepts, and I've always been a bit of a Batman fan, you know, because I think the Batman trilogy was just like epic and but i mean yeah the the most recent offerings have been somewhat lacking i think well this is going to be a four hour cut of the justice league so i i'm pretty excited uh no word on how we're going to be able to watch it here in the uk it's currently only announced for hbo max but yeah Sorry, I, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that, Charlie. Well, I didn't say <laughs> we, no. we support the the film industry. It might be yeah. um, it might be available through Amazon. Sometimes Amazon do it like a uh, a crossover, and same for Sky as well. Actually, sometimes Sky have a thing with HBO. Do you remember uh, Game of Thrones was HBO, um, mm-hmm. but Sky obviously did a deal. For oh that. yeah, and the uh, the Watchmen series was on uh, Now TV because it's Sky, isn't it? So. Yeah. So they might do is because Sky Cinema is quite a heat, large entity these days so they might they might do a thing for that that Watchmen series is really good by the way that, if you've seen yeah. it it's yeah. really good I'm only halfway through it so please don't spoil anything but it's good very good Watchmen's a great it's a great source material that you can do a lot with but I find that if you do a lot with it it angers fans yeah yeah. it's yeah. kind of like it's sacred text you can't touch it or, or alter it that's comic book adaptations in general you can't Please, some people though, can you sometimes? Very true, very true. Well, I guess we'll have to see how well Zack Snyder fares on the 18th of March, and yeah. maybe let us know in the comments below if you want us to check out the Joss Whedon cut of Justice League before before the 18th of March, and we can we can tear that to pieces. I think I think we'll do fine tearing that to pieces. Speaking of tearing stuff to pieces, we should move on to the film of the week. Oh. Yeah, so I know Charlie is not a massive fan of this <laughs> of this week's film. If you are following along the socials on our Twitter and our Facebook pages, you'll know that this week we decided to kick off the podcast with Dread. Um, there's a lot to talk about with Dread. I think it's an interesting film to talk about. Um, but why don't we why don't we acknowledge the elephant in the room, which is Charlie's big opinion on Dread? Oh well, where do we start, boys? It's just not that good, is it? No, it's just, it's very, very just a bland action film, in my opinion. It doesn't really do much to break the mould. Obviously, I'm not that familiar with the source material, so I can't really, I don't really have a basis to compare it to, but just as as an action film, I'm not that impressed with it. As I said before, I think uh, Born Identity is a much better action film, if we're talking action films. Yeah. Would you would you class it as a action film or a comic book adaptation? Like if you were to put it in one. Oh, action film. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, action film. So I don't. For me, there's not. It's not like there's not enough. Not supernatural, but like superpowery stuff to it to make it a comic book film or comic book. In my opinion, I'm sorry. I know that they. They wanted to include that because I know that the the girl belongs to a sort of a, a mutant race that exists within the source material, and they wanted to go into that a little bit more. But I think 
it was a strange year, 2012, for comic book movies. We we had the end of the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. And then we had the Avengers. So at this point, the only real successful comic book adaptations were uh, Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy and then perhaps Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. And this was still kind of early days for the MCU. So a lot of people thought the Avengers was a fluke. So I know there was quite a lot of talk about Dread, hopefully being the start of another big sort of cinematic universe. Um, but I think, it, yeah, I, I think I agree with Chaz in that it's, it's a bit bland. It lacks a lot of things that could have made it an amazing comic book adaptation. But I mean, it begs the question, would the movie work without Dread? Discuss. I think, I want to have a stab at that. So firstly, I think, for me, I think it wraps. So when I was watching it, and it was it's just quite distinct to me, was for a large part of the film was the kind of the two sides of almost like this. Because first, I mean, maybe I have to go back a step to explain this. Maybe I felt when you were in the film, when you were watching the film, that it was it was trying to transport you into this. It was trying to do this world building. It was trying to make the mega city. You know, you've got the the intro. It's, it talks about eight hundred million souls living in the ruins of Earth, and it's the you know the, the huge mega city. And I think it's trying to do a bit of world building, and then it just. I think the only point I think I'll see to you with this, Charlie, is that I think the reason why it's not this like crazy amazing action film is because I think it was trying to bridge the gap, and I think it was trying to do yeah. some of this comic book adaptation like building the world for it trying to like delve you know dip its toes in and i think it either needed to go all in or it needed to be all in as an action film and i think because it tried to tie the difference i think that maybe weakened it slightly but back to the point in hand which is does it work without dread i don't think it would personally because i think he's such a like pivotal character for well a for like a the action in the film but b like the, the kind of the emotions and his attitude compared to Anderson, the woman, the other, the other judge. I think it's quite, for me, it was kind of like showing you the two sides of almost like a justice system in the future and how it would work and like the emotions and tied up in that. But that's just my opinion of it. <laughs> I think what you said about, um, it either needed to go fully into like balls to the wall, crazy action film, or it needed to go, intricate world building i totally agree with that that's one thing i because I've, I've seen it before i saw it when it came out but re-watching it that's why i felt like it was sort of caught in this fight between these two things i didn't really like the film i think i liked it more than chaz did um but yeah i think it needed to i i totally agree with what you just said ben like it, it, it needed to go one way or the other a little bit so it was kind of a a six, a six, seven out of ten when it could have been like an eight, nine if it really just it went more crazy with the action for me. I, I think it would have been really good. I think, like you said, Joe, earlier, compare it to Raid. I think Raid went full action, yeah. and obviously, yeah. at least the same year, like Raid was like you know all of the like martial arts and like the pure like gore, and it was like a lot more almost realistic and actiony. Whereas Dread was like some of like you know the CGI on the slow mo bits. Uh, it's, it's it's like I wasn't like I didn't look at it and think oh that's dreadful but I did I didn't look at it and think oh that's like totally 
what I was expecting. You know, it's still a bit comic booky and like the sheen yeah. and the colors and stuff. But I think that was on purpose, which I think is a different argument because I think that that was like some of the shots surrounding the action scenes, especially I think the first major action bit where he like busts up the drug room and you watch the entire fight from the perspective of the guys doing drugs. And I think that bit was just like, I completely forgot about that. And when I rewatched it, I was just like, whoa. That's ace. Like you don't really see that. I don't think. Well, I don't really remember seeing that in many films of recent, where you kind of watch the action from like a third party's perspective, which I think yeah. was like quite nice, and I really, I really enjoyed that. You say that was. I think um, the one thing that really impressed me was that the slow motion scenes. They are like really good. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. It's give me shivers though. The, the, <laughs> oh, like the, 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 the falling. I mean, man, it's like nightmare fuel. That <laughs> so I think we can come to a sort of a conclusion that Dread is one of those films that you can say is it's a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Really, it tries to be a lot of different things yeah. comic book adaptation. Um, it's trying to be a subversive action movie, it's trying to be sci fi, all of these things at once, and, and it's also very close to also trying to be a character study of you know the, yeah. the justice within the within the hall of justice and also the kind of social the social discourse and the class struggle between you know say the mutants and uh and then the people who live in the slums and the judges it, it's trying to do a lot which is strange because it doesn't feel like it's doing a lot yeah. the whole film is pretty feels a little bit empty Yet while we're talking about these things, yeah, you're absolutely right. With with we're, we're unearthing a lot of elements of the film that could have been so fully imagined but weren't. I'd say they were dreadful. You know what would be incredible? Mm -hmm. So you said about it coming out in 2012, bit of a weird time for it to come out anyway. Like even if it had been even if it had been a much better film, it would have still gone with what it was up against, I think. But imagine if it came out a few years later, sort of instead of a film, it was like a Netflix limited series. Um, and it was like, imagine if it was like structured something like The Wire or something like, like different perspectives in this whole world of dread. So you could have like a couple of episodes of dread starting, and then you could have some from the mutants who are kind of outsiders in this city, and you could build up to like some huge action scene where all of these characters come together or something. I think something like that would work because you could have like so much more obviously you can have so much more world building in a series than you can have in a film and you could have the same level as action of the film but you could build up to it a bit more so it would feel more um it'd feel more earned if you know what i mean you wouldn't have to go quite so over the top with the action as much as i slated it and said i don't like it i would be interested to see a follow-up to it and like see what happened to the world and where it yeah. could go like, yeah. and that's the thing i think it's an intriguing film it I want to know more, um, and I think certainly the character of Dread. This is a younger Dread. Like he's not known. Like if you read the source material, he's it's almost kind of cheesy. The like a celebrity, isn't he? Yeah, he's like a celebrity. You know, if he turns up at a crime scene, all the criminals run in horror because they're like, "Oh my God, it's Judge Dread!" But that doesn't happen in this film. And and I guess some of the other judges towards the end, the twisted ones, they kind of know him. But I think, and, and this is why I think I'd go back to the question of would the movie work without Dread? I think it could. 
I think Dredd could have been just another police officer from the Hall of Justice. And it could have been more of like a Judge Dredd spin-off. Like they could have called the film 2000 AD. And yeah. it, I think yeah. it could have worked in my opinion because mm. I think how, when I think about Dredd and I think about Carl Urban's portrayal, which is, I think, really good, by the way. It's very hard to act without your eyes. Um, so he does a great job. But yeah. in, in that regard, Dredd in this film comes across as more of a vibe than a character. <laughs> Uh, he he's just vibing, you know. This is another day on the job. Uh, the rookie is so like morally torn that you know every building in the city is like this, and that she she has that moment where they're on that outside basketball court or a skateboard park, is it? I'm not sure. The one that's hanging off the side of the yeah, building, that's great. and she looks out across the city. It's a great shot, and and she's thinking about how this city is never ever going to improve. And then Judge Dredd is just like, you know, so what's your call, rookie? Like he's like right. <laughs> just a vibe he doesn't care about morals he's just here to get paid he's on minimum wage he wants to go home and have his grave meal he's a key worker he's a key worker he do be vibing i think i think though that like when you said like would it work without dread like and you like you know you'd, you'd quite like to see like a 2000 you know 2080 ad or um whatever kind of version of it like for me like I want to see Dread. I want to. I want to see how his like interactions, his storyline, his character arcs, and like for me, one of the biggest pieces of watching the film was just like I was actually a little. I mean, not blown away because obviously there are this. I think in quite a lot of films these days, the standard of acting is is so high, but I was actually like. <laughs> It's difficult to compare it to like other films because I don't think there's too much like it in terms of kind of. Because it kind of does, like you said, it's like a bit of a jack of all trades. It, you could compare little bits of it to lots of different things, but if you compare maybe the, yeah, like you said, like Carl Urban's like facial acting, I would, I, I think compared to the Avengers, I'd say the acting is better. It might be a slightly diversive statement, but just kind of their interactions with each other and like facially and the torn and the interactions with the world. Whereas like if you compared it to the Avengers, like they're just kind of like, yeah, let's go kill some alien butt. It's like, <laughs> it's like I think like you like you said, if it came out four years later, like if it came out like last year or something, I think it would do so much better because it would be a different superhero film or like a different comic book film rather than like the kind of same old grind. Whereas maybe that's where it kind of could have them better i completely agree and i think in in light of the success of say the darker side of the marvel universe with uh the netflix shows daredevil the punisher they weren't afraid to you know defy disney's rule of you know all marvel property should be family friendly uh, obviously the Net netflix series haven't worked out now and disney is trying to rebuild its own tv marvel empire but look at something like the boys and watchmen you know these are comic book adaptations uh, the umbrella academy you know people aren't interested in seeing no consequences comic book adaptation world building anymore they that and that's why i think say the later mcu films haven't been afraid to go into more political things or more um say take civil war for example that was quite a dark marvel film um and I think it was quite successful because of that. And you got to remember all of the kids that watched Iron Man and The Incredible Hulk for Captain America: The First Avenger. They were all, you know, they're all our age now. 
and I, I don't know about you, but I want to see some. I want to see some grit. I want to see some adult themes. I want to see something political and um, and philosophical. And and I think I think Dread actually does hit a lot of those notes. But it came out at the wrong time when no one had seen a mature comic book adaptation really before. I mean, apart from Watchmen, I guess. Sin City. Sin City yeah. is pretty dark. Sin City as well, yeah. But again, that, that again, similar they're, to... They're all anomalies, though, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. none of them are really, you know, heralded as as these comic book, these amazing comic book adaptations. And if, if you ask anyone what was a really dark comic book adaptation that came out in the in the 2000s, they'd all say Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it all comes back to the point that cinematic culture and the way we consume it and what we expect from cinema has just changed. Like the whole landscape has changed to the yeah. point where yeah. you want the comic book movie is such a dominant force in it now that these different varieties of it can exist. Whereas when this came out, it just didn't really have any room to go apart from the, the strict like adaptation of the source material. But we're to agree. a point now where mm-hmm. we can expand from it and it's not judged as much as it would have been. And if you didn't know, um, the script is Alex Garland, who has since brought us some amazing sci-fi. He did Ex Machina and Annihilation. Uh, so he's he's no stranger to being uh, subversive. Weird, um, but it was it was kind of strange the situation with Alex Garland because he he's just the writer on Dread. However, apparently the 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 real director, whose name um, has has left me, I think, he was a bit of a freeloader. So Alex Garland really a lot of people credit Dread as his first directorial debut, even though he wasn't the director. He was on set every day with with his script and trying to make sure that he brought it to life but i know he had a lot of struggles with the studios and that he wanted to do a bigger story like he wanted to do a whole story just about the injustice with like the 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 officers that were on the on the payroll of some of the gangs and he also wanted to do a whole film about the mutants but the studio just wanted like you said charles you know like this sort of jason bourne kind of action movie um, Which is weird that they wanted that, and then just yeah, it's not that at all, is it? It's, as, as Ben <laughs> said, it's like a well. Again, I think it's because at this point in time, everyone thought that the Avengers was a fluke. Yeah, uh, and I think I think we can all agree that if Dread had come out in 2019, 2020, it would have done so well. And I think that's probably why they put it on Netflix now. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Yeah, I think one thing that for me comparing because I think like we said, like, you know, it's very easy to compare to other comic book films, is one thing that struck me was the length. It's only an hour and a half. And I think, actually, if you compare that to films these days, I think a two and a half hour long Dread session would be immense. Like, just the kind of the... the, I mean, for me, there was a lot of details in it anyway, but, you know, but I think the one bit which I wanted to see more of, you know, when she went into the perp's mind to um, find out what Mama was doing... Yeah. And we got this kind of like crazy, you know, like he's able to do anything he wants and he starts like stripping her clothes off and shooting her. And then she's just like, and then it, then it cuts and all we see is him like peeing his pants, absolutely terrified. And it's just like, what, what did she do? Like, I want to know what she did. Yeah. Like, and it, I think there were maybe for me, I got a, quite a few, there was a few instances where they were like, Ooh, if there was a sequel to this film, 
take my money right now because it would be epic. Like some of the things they were teeing up, uh, it was just, yeah. But I think if we've got a longer film, and like you said, Charlie, it ties back to how we consume, like, you know, how we consume cinema. I think these days you can get away with a two hour film, you can get away with a two and a half hour film. And I think people will enjoy it. And I think maybe that's another thing. So, yeah, a film out of its time is how I would summarize it. <laughs> Very nice yeah. statement. I don't think there's any any more to say, Andre. I no. think that was very poetic, Mr. Morley. <laughs> well, thank you. This is why this is why you're here. Um, yeah. we're very grateful for your input. Um, speaking of a film out of its time, uh, just moving on from Dread, I actually watched The Phantom Menace a couple of days ago for the first time in ten years, and ah, oh, it just it holds up. It holds up so well. Um, I think compared to what we've received from Disney for the last. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Apart from the Mandalorian. Yeah, apart from the Mandalorian. And Rogue One. I loved Rogue One. Rogue One. Yeah. 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 I rate that. I. I just. I. I. I went into the Phantom Menace expecting to have my usual thoughts of, "Oh, this is so cheesy. Like, what were they thinking?" And sure, there's still elements of that, but I don't remember the pod race scene being so epic, and uh, the duel at the end between Darth Maul, the Qui Gon Jinn, and Obi Wan. That's so good. Gave me yeah, some it's chills. Really good, it's one of the and best Star Wars scenes, I think. It's so I cool. think yeah. so too. Yeah. I think it's one of the best Star Wars sounds. Like yeah. just that the song. Yeah. I mean, wow. It just yeah. I mean you put that on and you could just put it on. Uh, you could just think <laughs> about it. Like we watched it all together as a as a house and every every guy in the room all had chills and we all kind of leant forward <laughs> and asked the girls were like, what, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> it's like the Inside the boys' locker room, everyone's just watching the fight. <laughs> that's just, just reminded me. Did you did you go and see it in the cinema when they re-released it in 3D? I did not. Did you? Yeah, and you know what was the best thing ever? The 3D glasses were like the pod racer glasses that. Um, oh, sick! Yeah, I've still got my I've still got my pair. But I've they, never um, wanted to steal a pair of goggles more. Yeah. This, happened, this happened just before the Disney buyout, and then Disney went, yeah, we're not going to bother with re-releasing any of the ones in 3D. Because I was <sighs> waiting for them to get up to the original trilogy, but they just oh, said... I mean, Revenge of the Sith in 3D. Yeah, that would have been... Some sick. of those space battles. Oh. Yeah. Could you imagine General Grievous spinning his lightsabers in 3D? <laughs> be terrified. That would, that would be a sight to behold. Um, ben, what have you watched this week? So not a film, sadly, but uh, I last year um, Sky or whoever made it and it was released on Sky um, Discovery of Witches or is it two years ago now? Anyway, uh, they released season two, so I was going back and watching season one, and it's um, if you've not watched it, it's basically a modern day setting, and uh, witches, demons, and vampires um, are among us, and. I don't know. It's it's different. I don't want to mention Twilight because people really bash it. Um, <laughs> but I would say it succeeds where Twilight fails miserably, in that it's very very well acted. I think the script is good. I think the um, the kind of the, the building and and the emotions and everything is really really spot on. And it's just it's very enjoyable. And um, and my girlfriend was watching it with me, and she. Uh, She's not a fancy person whatsoever. Fantasy in space, she'll walk out of the room. She's not interested, and she uh, she loved it. So I, uh, I would definitely recommend that if anybody is interested. Is that on Sky? Yeah, it is on Sky. Yeah, yeah. VPN, it is then. <laughs> <laughs> how, how about you, Charles? What you've been watching? 
Uh, so I watched a film called Ronaldo and Clara, and it's by Bob Dylan. And it's basically, um, if you've seen the Rolling Thunder review on Netflix, it's that era Bob Dylan. And he basically just took like a film camera on tour with him and then sort of wrote the script and acted in it and got okay. all the band to act in it while on tour. And it's just mental. It's just <laughs> cocaine-fueled filmmaking at its best. It is just insane. Bad. Like it doesn't make any sense, and there's just random bits of music, concert footage put in, and it's just mental. It's a bit of a no. bit of an art, arty piece, I guess. I don't know. It's very mental. It's really nice to watch alongside the uh, Martin Scorsese documentary. Well, if anyone's going to watch something like that, it's you, Charlie. You are very in with the uh, the art film scene. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So there. Unlike unlike music, uh, any films to do with music, I feel you'll you'll be the you'll probably be the authority here on them. <laughs> but yeah, if you've seen that documentary, it's really good, and that documentary is worth a watch. Cool. So it 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 includes bits that like Scorsese and Dylan made up and just put in as fact in the documentary, and it's just yeah, that's also a wild ride. What about you, Connor? I watched Kong Skull Island for the second time in the last week. Uh, I really like it. I think it, uh, just quickly linking it back to Dread, I think if Dread went to the same level of crazy action that Kong Skull Island did, it would be like a lot more people would have enjoyed it and watched it, I think. Yeah, I like that it's just it's just madness, really. It's like, we're going to make a half Vietnam War film, but we're just going to make it a monster movie as well. I uh, I really enjoy it. I really like I'm it. I'm glad to watch it again. I remember not liking it, but I think with Godzilla vs. Kong coming up. Yeah. It's it's full of it's you know it's full of cliche and um, noticeable kind of um, not plot holes that bad but just little things that if you wanna if you wanna pick it apart you easily can do but it's just an enjoyable film to watch really it looks it looks fantastic as well. Have you seen the other Godzilla films? I saw the Godzilla film that came before it and it was pretty pretty bland to be honest to me. Is that the one with um, Brian Cranston? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he was a he was in the trailer quite prominently, but the film he really wasn't in the film that much. It was really right. just a marketing thing. I rather um, like the first one. I quite like it. I think it's yeah. a it's a really good disaster movie, and I, because it looks amazing in it, the, the visual effects. He does, he does look Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian Cranston, Cranston is just gold dust in anything he touches. Yeah, yeah. so he he brought a lot of uh, humanity to it. I think um, the second one. The second Godzilla film wasn't as, as good, and I remember not liking Kong. So my excitement for Godzilla versus Kong is a little minimal, but I'll go see it anyway because you know it's Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I seen, I'll watch King of Monsters. I haven't seen that yet, so I'll give you my verdict on that sometime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we we what we could do is we could watch. Um, maybe if our audience are interested, we could check out some of the. Uh, MonsterVerse films, Godzilla, Godzilla King of the Monsters, Kong Skull Island. In the run up to to Godzilla vs Kong, I think that would be a funny marathon yeah. to do. Yeah, we could do like the old ones as well because there's a, a really really old King Kong vs Godzilla, and it's just awful. And like the <laughs> it's trash. <laughs> well, listen, guys, it has been really good to talk about Dread. Um, I think I didn't think we could talk about it so much. Um, next week we will be looking at James Cameron's Avatar 
that was Ben's first thing that he said when he joined the team. So we will be Epic. looking at that. Uh, I'm currently not aware of any streaming service that has Avatar. Disney Plus, isn't it? Disney Plus. Perfect. Okay, so if you have a subscription, Plus, uh, go and check out Avatar in time uh, for next Sunday, and we'll be talking about that. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about with James Cameron and Avatar. I know Ben loves the film. I know there's a few of us. <laughs> it's me versus you that's what you're saying basically put it, put it, if you start watching avatar now you'll have finished it by next week's podcast so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we can also talk about the future of, of franchise whether we think avatar 2 is ever going to come out in cinemas because it's, <laughs> it's i've got some long. great trivia on that don't you worry oh, nice. I, okay. I already can't wait well listen guys it's been a pleasure. um so audience members, don't forget to subscribe, leave a like for us and check out our socials to stay up to date with some of our news. And we will be back next Sunday with uh, our Avatar podcast. So thank you all for listening and take care.